Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Our scripture reading this morning will be Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Open God's book, please, to First Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in just a couple of minutes in the 22nd verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in 22. It's wonderful to see you here today, and God has blessed us with a beautiful day to worship. I got up from my walk early this morning, couldn't wait for dawn. How come dawn's coming so late? But um, I waited till a little, little light, 45 degrees. So I think that the trees and the grass are going to get this message, and things are about to change. And God is, has really blessed us. Now, I want to remind you before we start reading that next weekend is our fall fest. That's uh, always a great time. And on the Lord's Day, that will be our friends and family day. Now, listen very closely to this. That service is going to include, should include a lot of visitors. And I want to encourage you to be asking your friends. This, this is not going to be a day for uh, for heavy doctrine. Now, there, there'll be some doctrine involved, but this is going to be very elementary. I, I want people, because I think they're going to come on this day uh, to have a, 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 an introduction to what the church of Christ is like. And so we're going to do that on that elementary sort of level. And I really hope that you'll be inviting your friends to come and be part of this. And family members too will have an afternoon service as opposed to an evening one, and it should just be a great Saturday and Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. We talk sometimes from this pulpit about the analogies of Jesus, or the, sometimes we talk about metaphors or similes that Jesus often would use in his parables to illustrate these profound truths that he came to teach. It's almost like Jesus takes us by the hand and he walks us through and says, let me, come in, come on, let me show you. Let me show you what I'm saying. Let me help you understand these heavenly truths. And I love them. And we've taught the children the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And those are metaphors. And it's just, it's remarkable. I, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the shepherd of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. These are illustrative of the principles he wants to teach. And I want to focus on what I think. This is just an opinion. It's the most beautiful, the most lovely of all. 
You must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? And there's a lot of confusion, I think, when you start studying this. There are two major passages which use this terminology. Two passages. So I want to start in the first one, in First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, and then we're going to go to the real big one. All right? So we start over here. Peter, it seems to me, by the Holy Spirit, is borrowing this analogy of being born again from Jesus. Jesus is the one who originated this in John 3, and we're going to go there in just a couple of minutes. But we start here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Seeing you purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Here we go. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, turn your page or your your Bible back over to John chapter 3, because this is where it came from. Now, I'm going to spend time in this sermon in both of these passages. We're going to be bouncing back and forth because these are the two big ones that use this term, born again. And this is so fundamental and so important for us to understand. Here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God because no man can do the things that you do, the signs that you do, except God be with him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you just have read the most important, the most, the most uh, comprehensive statement about the purpose of Jesus' miracles, the apostles' miracles on the earth. This was the purpose. Nicodemus said, I know that you're from heaven. How do you know that, Nicodemus? How can you know that? And the answer is because nobody can do what you do. And then this distinguishes. How do you launch the church? You launch it with miracles. Why? Because lots of people were preaching and teaching. How would you distinguish? You've lived in the first century. How would you tell the difference between what is the truth and what is not the truth? Well, I tell you this right now. If a man can raise the dead, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. The miracles, the miracles. And, and, and so Nicodemus says, we know, we know that you're from God. We know that. Now the next verse, next slide. Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Stop a second. Would you just appreciate, please, with me that, I don't know, I don't want to use the, the word humor exactly, but... Nicodemus didn't ask the question. Jesus answered the question before he asked it. And you might say, well, this is just miraculous knowledge. The bottom of John chapter 2 says that Jesus knew what was in man. Nicodemus didn't ask the question. He said, we know that you're a teacher come from God. And Jesus said, you got to be born again. Boy, he hit the nail on the head and he did it quick and he didn't waste any time. Right to it. you got to be born again. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And Nicodemus scrunches up his face. I'm reading between the lines, but he says, I don't see this. I mean, wait a minute. Sometimes Jesus would say things, and you have to, you have to spend some time with him to know it's, it's so critical that you understand it, but sometimes you have to spend time. You have to stick with him. Over in John 6, a lot of disciples walked away from him because they weren't willing to do that. Nicodemus is going to stick with him, and, and he says, well, I don't get it. How is it? Can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. What do you mean that he must be born again? Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right, well, let's, let's break that down. Let's take Spirit first. 
What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Give me the next slide, would you? Back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, see that you love one another pure heart firmly. Being born again. How were you you're born? Well, see, it's the same thing. You're born, he's, here, he says here, by obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. John says, Jesus said in John 3, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Now, let me introduce you to some words. Uh, introduce is a strong word. Um, you're familiar with these words, but only when you're reading the Bible or you come to worship and you hear preaching and the preacher will use the term begotten or begot or begat. Well, it's going to be important in this discussion a bit about being born of the Spirit. What do the words mean? It's usually applicable to the Father. It's about impregnating. It's about uh, producing offspring. And perhaps you knew that, of, of course, but when it's used biblically, it's almost always about the Father. It's talking about to father, to impregnate, to produce offspring. There's the word begot or begat. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers in Christ Jesus. For I have begotten you through the gospel. Begot means to father or to impregnate or to produce offspring. This is not the actual birth. This is what of necessity must precede the birth. And we're talking about being born again. But, but you got to get this. Being born of the Spirit has to do with the, the act of begetting. I have begotten you. How? Through the gospel. Now, let me show you one more. Here's James chapter 1 and verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now remember what begat means. It means to father, to impregnate, to produce offspring. It is not the actual birth. It is the act which occurs that brings about the ultimate birth. And and in this symbolism, this analogy that Jesus gives us, you must be born again and born of the Spirit. What does it mean, born of the Spirit? And the answer is that it's the Holy Spirit who led the men who inspired the men to write your New Testament. When you, when you get to Acts, the second chapter, and you see, you see Pentecost, and here these, these men are preaching, the apostles are preaching, it's because they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. They are inspired of the Holy Spirit. They preach and they teach, and people are baptized, and they become disciples of Jesus Christ, and their sins are washed away. They are begotten. They are They are begotten of the gospel. They are begotten of the Holy Spirit who gave them the gospel. Now, now let's go to the next one. So we're born not just of the Spirit, but we're born of water also. And so those people in Acts 2 who heard the message that came from the Holy Spirit, and I'm saying they were begotten of the gospel at that time, they were baptized. That's what they were taught to do. And no wonder you have Acts chapter 8 and the Ethiopian Philip joins himself to the chariot, and the Bible says that Philip preached Christ to him. I know something about I don't have his sermon, but I know something about what he preached because the Ethiopian said, here's water, why can't I be baptized? If you believe, you can. And so he went and baptized him because he learned Jesus. There's the, there's the Spirit. He got, 
He understood the scriptures. He understood what was the truth, the gospel. He was begotten of the gospel. That was the teaching he got from Philip. And it resulted in him saying, I want to be baptized. Here's water. Why can't I be? There was something about what Philip said that, that indicated he had to be baptized. And so I want to be baptized. And they went the same moment there. They stopped and they baptized him. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and 21, you're familiar with this. Verse 20 talks about Noah, and he says eight souls were saved by water. They were saved by water. And then 21 says, the like figure wherein to baptism saves us. But my favorite one to discuss being born again about, about being born of water is Titus 3 and verse 5. Look at this. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. We can't earn salvation. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. What is, what is regeneration? Now, I looked this up, and re- to generate means, ready for this? Brace yourselves. It means to beget. To generate means to beget. It is the process by which birth will occur, right? You, you can look that up for yourself. He says, the washing of regeneration. That is to say, the washing of being born again. What is that? No, it's not that we earn our salvation, but the washing of regeneration is the washing of being born again. All right, now here's point number two, major point number two. This this new birth is different from my first birth. And the first way that's true is that this time I decided when to be born. Now, little Evelyn is sweet as molasses. She is precious. But now she doesn't have any memory of being born. I I don't either. My mother cannot, because of her dementia, she doesn't, isn't able to recollect the old story that I've heard a couple of hundred times or more in my life about my birth. And that was because my, my father and his brother, the, the last end of the collies as we had it, they, they just produced girls. All the baby boys, when they were born, turned out to be girls. Now, now we love girls. It wasn't that. But, but they wanted a boy in the family. And then I was born. Well, that was kind of a big deal. I didn't have anything to do with that. But I was born and I was a boy. And so my mother loved to tell the story about how that everybody come to the hospital and she would say, it's a boy. It's a boy. And so she would rehearse that a lot. But I don't remember anything about it, except for the story that she would tell. I don't, I don't have any memory. I had, very, I had remarkably little to do with that first birth. But let me tell you about that second birth. It would not happen without my decision. The second birth is one which I must decide. Now, 1 Peter 1, says, Seeing you have purified your souls. Now, you stop and listen to that, and don't you be persuaded by somebody who would say that we have nothing to do with our salvation. Hold on a minute. If you're talking about the grace of God, I, that's true. If you're talking about the cross and the, the price paid for my sins, of course it's true that I have nothing to do. But I'm going to tell you what. Without human decision and action, you'll never see the backside of heaven. You never will. I've got to make this decision. Seeing you have purified your souls, how'd you do that? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another. Being born again. 
not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, but by the word of God. I was begotten by the gospel. That's not the birth. But then as a result of being begotten by the gospel taught to me, I obeyed the gospel and I was born again. I learned the truth. I was born again when I was baptized. And now I walk in newness of life. So Acts 2 and verse 40 says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. You reckon we've got anything to do with our salvation? Not the purchasing of it, but I tell you the facilitating of it. We do. He's not going to save us without our decision. We've got to make the decision. I I decided about this second birth. A few weeks ago, I preached from uh, from Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14, which I just love. And he's talking about heaven. He's talking about the multitude of people who will be there. and, and, And he says, these are the people who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. That's Revelation 7.14. In Revelation 1.5, it says he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's what washes away sins. But you get to Revelation 7. Who are these people in heaven? And he says, these are the people who have washed their robes. The emphasis is on their action. They did this. What do you call that? You call it the same thing as 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. That's what that is. Now, here's the second thing about this second birth that's important. In the second birth, I was born of the Spirit and not the flesh. Now, next slide. We get to John chapter 3 again. I want to rehearse this with you. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. If you're not born again, you're not going to see kingdom of heaven. Okay? That's what he said to Nicodemus. And then he explains. Now, this is where it gets really important. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to thee, you must be born again. And then this interesting statement. The wind blows where where it listeth. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell from whence it comes and whether it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Now, a lot of people read that and what they come away with is, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is mystical. You never know where the Holy Spirit's going to do his work. And that, that's an ambiguity, that's a mystical kind of thing. The Spirit moves around. What's wrong with that? If you read this verse, I'm telling you that's just not true. This has nothing to do with that. That's a mistake. Look at the verse again and answer this question. What is the wind blowing or, or about whom is the wind blowing speaking? And it says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Would you, maybe you have a paper Bible and you might want to underline that. That's important. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit that you cannot tell. He's talking about the person, the people who have been born again that you cannot tell. Now, what does that mean? Well, think of this. Nicodemus is a Jew. He's a Jew-Jew. I mean, he is, he's a member of the Sanhedrin Council. He's a ruler of the Jews. And I suppose that you could tell, typically tell, in the first century, you could look at a man who's a Jew and you'd know by his outward appearance that that's what he was. Maybe facial construction, maybe tone of the skin, maybe pigmentation, maybe, maybe the hair, maybe the clothing, maybe the lots of things of the outward appearance. And you would say, this man is a Jew. Well, I tell you, uh, Cindy and I have been to Israel earlier this year and, and um, I, you don't have any trouble even now in Israel, telling a person who is Jew. Now, that's not, I'm not making any ugly kind of statement. It's just, it's just true. You can tell by looking. 
But when you get to the new birth, now see, Nicodemus was used to that, and Nicodemus' idea was that I'm good with God. I'm always going to be good with God because I'm a Jew. I have Abraham in me. My genetics are make, made up of a, the lineage of Abraham. And so, I'm, I mean, you know, we've been God's people for all of these years. Of course I'm in. I'm part of the family. Nope. Yeah, no, Jesus says, no, you're going to have to be born again. Born again. See, it was because Nicodemus had, had relied so much on this. Now, now, let me open up something more that I think is just fascinating. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31 that Keith read a while ago to us, because this is the same principle. He's talking about the new covenant, prophesying about the new covenant. It's going to be the church that you and I are, are part of, and, and he's uh, making a discussion of that. And he says something interesting about your neighbor, because when the new covenant comes... They'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, because everybody's going to know me. Does that make you scratch your head? What is that? I thought we were supposed to be evangelistic, and shouldn't we teach our neighbor, and shouldn't we teach our brother? That's not what it's about. I know that it sounds that way, but listen to me. What's going to be different about the new covenant is that if you were born a Jew, you were born into that family, and then after that, you learn to love and respect and obey God. That's not how it is in the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, you're, you're, you're born, and then you have to be, then you're taught, and after that, you enter the kingdom of God. So nobody enters the kingdom of God unless he already knows the Lord. You don't enter, you can't be born again until you have the conception. Nobody can be born who's not conceived. You have the conception, then you have the birth. But if you've been conceived by the teaching of the Word of God, that's how he begot us with the gospel, and you're taught that, when you're born again, you don't have to be taught to know the Lord. You already know the Lord. And that's what this verse means. That's the significance of the new covenant. You want, to, you want to explain that? This is just brilliant. How do, you, how do you explain that to a man like Nicodemus, who's a Jew's Jew? And he, he's always thought he would always be right with God because he was at, well, that's no, the cross, Colossians 2.14, is where the law of Moses is going to be nailed. It's obsolete. It's pushed aside. We're not under that law anymore. And I tell you, relying on the fact that you've got Abraham's blood and the fact that you are born a Jew becomes a spiritual, religious irrelevancy. That's what it is. And now, you talk about a Christian. I, could, I, can, I, can, I mean, when I was over in Israel, I, I could tell when a person was a Jew by the outward appearance. How do you tell when you see a Christian? Come on, how can you tell? And the answer is, it's like the wind blowing. You, you, you can't. You, you can't tell by looking. It's not like a Jew. You can't tell a, a Christian. It's a spiritual thing, not a flesh thing. It's not of the flesh, it's of the spirit. And so, you, you, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. That's what Christians, Christians look differently. They, they come from different countries. They come from different skin colors. They come from different lots of things. And he says, it's kind of like the wind blowing. You can't tell by looking. That's the significance of John chapter 3 and what Jesus is talking about. And you don't have to teach them. 
when they're in this kingdom, the new kingdom, the new covenant, when they're part of that, you don't have to teach them to know the Lord. If they're in the covenant, if they're in the kingdom, they already know because that's how they got in the kingdom. Different from being born a Jew. Here's the third thing that's different. The second um, birth is different from the first in that this one, I, I was dead before I was born. There's a couple of ways this is true. In the sense of Isaiah 59, which says in the couple, first couple of verses that, that my sin has separated me from my God. What do you call that? You call that spiritual death. When you in your life become separated from God, you die spiritually. That's it. And your physical death is a separation too, of course. James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. When you spiritually die, it's when you get separated from your God. I, I was thus, in that sense, dead before I was born again. But there's another sense, and, and that's the sense in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we? This is to Christians. Christians, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, you became dead to sin when you obeyed the gospel. You repented of your sins, and you became a Christian, and you were born again. It doesn't mean that you don't sin anymore, but it means you cannot comfortably live in sin anymore. It means that I've dedicated myself to Jesus Christ. I cannot comfortably live in sin. When I learn I've done something wrong, I want to make it right. I want to make it right as quickly as I, I can because I don't live in sin. And then 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16 says, if any man be in Christ, are you ready for this? He's a new creature. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans 6 says that we come up out of that water like the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and we're alive again. When, when did that happen? When you're born again. This birth is different from the first one. This second birth is different because I was dead before I, before I was born. And so it's unique. Now, here's number three. When I was born again, it put me into a great family. So, 1 Peter 1.22 again, the first passage we discussed. Seeing you purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Don't you think it's interesting that he's talking about a new birth and being saved is what this is about. Coming up out of the water and now you walk in newness of life because you were conceived of the gospel, begotten of the gospel. So don't you think that this is a strange time to inter inter interject something about being part of a family. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's logical. It flows. When I, when I was born the first time, I became part of a family. When I was born the second time, I became part of a different family. Look around you, Christians. This is your family. Let me tell you something about my physical family. Now, I, I, we, we've got some black, some black sheep in the family. We've got some uh, uh, horse thieves, I think in the family. There's some, I'm playing about that, but, but there are times when we'd have a family reunion when I was younger. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know them very well. And, and the fact is that some of those people, I want to speak charitably, I probably wouldn't have a lot of relationship with, except that we have the same last name, that we have a bloodline thing. But we're very different. And so far as, as feeling a closeness to them, I really don't. What draws us together is that well, that first birth, you have people in your family that are like that? Let me tell you about you and me, is that 
I come into this room and I'm connected to, to all of you and, and we're connected to one another. But it's much more, much more important. It's much bigger than the idea that you have a physical connection. Genetically, you have a, a connection. Who cares about that? It's, I mean, it, it's eclipsed by this. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts together. Blessed be the tie that binds us. We're Christians. We're here because we love Jesus. We we serve the same Savior. We anticipate the same heaven. We adhere to the same scriptures. That's why we're together. And that's the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. It's much more important. And no wonder then, no wonder he says at the same time in 1 Peter 1, no, at the same time he says, you're born again. And let me tell you, I want you to love one another with a pure heart fervently. And here's the last point, number four. This is going to be true until the end of time. People will be born again until the end of time. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Now briefly, remember that when Jesus in Luke 8 was teaching the parable of the soils, and different, the seed would go on different soils, it, the, the soils represent different people's hearts, and some was the stony ground, and some the thorny ground, and some was the, the good ground, and, and four different soils. And then Jesus said in verse 11, when he was explaining the parable, the seed is the word of God. I love that because it fits together with all of this. The seed's the word of God. Now, what you know is that, that seed can be preserved. I mean, for your garden, physical seed that you plant can be preserved from one year to the next. That's just the nature of seed. Yeah, but the problem is that it's not going to last forever. The problem is that 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 seed that you save back, well, if you don't use it pretty soon, it'll 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 rot. It's corruptible seed. Let me tell you something that Peter points out here. What it is that that begets people who who then can be born again is the gospel seed. We're born again, not of corruptible seed. It's not seed that will rot. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What do you mean? What do you mean, Peter? What does that mean? I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about the Word of God which lives and abides forever. That is to say that until the trumpet blows, people are going to be begotten by the gospel. They're going to be persuaded by the truth of the gospel. And they're going to be born again. And when they come up out of that water, the water of baptism, it is to walk, as the Bible says in Romans 6, beginning in verse 3, it's to to walk in newness of life. What do you call that? I tell you what you call it. You call it being born again. You're born again. Years ago, when our children were little, uh, we, we lived in another place in Alabama. And we had a member of the church there who was, I'm not going to say his name. He's been long gone now. He was an old, old man, man then. But he was reputed to be one of the richest men in town. And he happened to be a member of the church. And we had interesting stories. He was an eccentric fellow. And he lived in, a, in kind of a shack. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly a shack. But, but it, it didn't say anything about his wealth. It was old and sort of run down. And that's just how I went to visit him one time. And and uh, I, I got to the, the side door there and knocked, and I looked, and there was a gravestone there beside the step. And I thought, 
he, he's buried somebody there. That, and so I, I said, he came to the door and I said, mm-hmm, what, what's that? Why is that gravestone there? Now, remember, he was, he was rich, but he was really cheap. He was so cheap. And that's how come he was rich, I guess. Never spent any money. I, but anyway, he said, well, when my wife passed away, it just occurred to me that I might be able to buy two at the same time, cheaper than at different times. And so I just negotiated with the man. You know, I bought, bought one for my wife. And, hey, how about if I buy two? Make me a good deal? And so the answer was yes. And he had him put it there by the stoop. That's where it was. And anyway, so he... He came to me one day, and he called me Collie. I don't know why exactly, but anyway, it was affectionate. He said, Collie, I, I, know I, I got a problem with my car. He had an old Oldsmobile, big, big Oldsmobile car, and he had a garden, and he would put produce in the back seat on those velour seats. It was crummy. It was, this car was old, and it was rickety, and it was crummy, and it didn't make any sense. He could have bought the dealership. But he, but he said, Collie, my car, my car, I just keep having to fix it, and it just won't run right, and it's really frustrating. And I said, Brother, I tell you, I know what to do about your car. What? You go out there and you, you lift up the hood, unscrew the radiator cap, replace everything else, and screw the cap back on. <laughs> and, you know, he, he had to think about that and, and he kind of walked off. I don't think he appreciated that very much. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We, we need to be born again. And when you're born again, all things become new. It means I'm going to dedicate myself to following King Jesus, and I'm going to live my life like that. And I'll tell you something else. I'm going to be part of the family of God. I'll have brothers and sisters I had never had before, but this is real. It's not just that I had nothing to do with it, and our genetics happen to be the same. We wear the same last name. It's not about that. It's about something tangible. It's about something real. We love the same Christ, and I'm going to tell you something. You get real close to people like that. We go through, you know what, I, I don't remember ever having a prayer meeting for all the different people in my extended family, but we do it here every week, multiple times a week, and we name people because we're praying for each other, right? Louisa Fletcher wrote a poem entitled, and I'm going to close now, The Land of Beginning Again. I wish that there were some wonderful place called The Land of Beginning Again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. Two times in Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1 and then John 3 to Nicodemus, and we learn this remarkable analogy of being born again. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? If the answer is no, Based on the the learning of the gospel, you know the gospel. If you need to study it some more before you obey the gospel, we'll be so happy to do that. Come and see me. But if you know the gospel and what to do to be saved, then you've been begotten and you can be born again. And when you come up out of that water, it will be to walk in newness of life and we'll be so happy to assist you in doing that. And if you need the prayers of the Christians, now would be such a good time. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.